Well, it's time for Before the Green and After the Checkers. After the longest Daytona 500 we've ever had, uh, we got to talk about Ricky Stenhouse clinching an early season playoff berth, Daniel Suarez ruining Kyle Busch's entire speed weeks with two poorly timed incidents, as well as whether the overtime system needs to be revamped going forward. Once we've got Daytona behind us, we're going to preview the upcoming weekend in Fontana and give you our picks to watch this weekend. Let's go, Donnie. Donnie, what's going on? Not much, man. What are you saying? Oh, not a whole lot. Um, it was uh, it was good and fun to see you this weekend. Um, yeah, absolutely. I don't think we've ever actually sat down and watched a race together in probably like seven or eight years now. Right. So it was well overdue for sure. We were. So it was good to get back. Yeah, nothing like picking the longest Daytona 500 in history. Well, I mean, it was uh, it was fine for me. I got to stay here at home all day. Well, yeah, and you had something to eat. <sighs> I reread <laughs> that another story for another day. <laughs> well, I I'm going to be honest. I reread that text yep. literally tonight, and I said, you know what? I never once insinuated that we were getting food together. I told him we were going to be there around the same time he was getting there, and he should pick up his food, but. Yeah, but nonetheless, we talked about we talked about the day before maybe going out to eat. Like if I got up there like at a certain time, and I was reading that while driving, which I shouldn't be doing, but I just kind of skimmed it, so I just put two and two together, and yeah, the text was all on me for sure. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> that's not even the biggest blunder that we had last week, um, because. <laughs> <laughs> I'm guessing you're talking about the 48. I'm talking about the 48. Yeah. Um, Is so, that the Stuart Haas Racing 48 or the? <laughs> no, no, that's the signed a multi-year extension to stay in the 48. Alex Bowman, after <laughs> I so boldly predicted that um, he he might look to other pastures at the end of the year. So, um, so did he sign that right after we recorded or? It. It was after recording, uh, we'll say. Um, you sure it was 13 hours before? <laughs> Listen, I had the outline already written out, okay? Um, but no. We're going to have a tough time getting our media credentials, buddy. Yeah, I I think there's a uh, a level of credibility that I might have cost us last week. But <laughs> but nonetheless, I'm, as as an Alex fan... As a forty-eight fan, um, I'm excited. I not 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 only because of that, but for the Daytona five hundred, Alex had a great race. Historically speaking, they do great on Friday night or Thursday night, um, and qualified do really well, get on the pole or on the front row at least six years running. Ever since he's been in the Hendrick Motorsports full time. Ever since he's been with them full time, uh, he's never qualified 
outside of the top two at Daytona. Having s- it is having said that though, the the race that follows generally leaves a lot to be desired. So I'm happy. I'm very happy. Yeah. What was it? Position five. I mean, you can't can't be upset about that. No. Um. And like, I kind of watched some of the highlights again throughout the week, and every major incident, like he was well within the danger zone. And was able to avoid everything and, and, and get rolling. And so I'm, I'm happy. Um, and to be honest, too, not only for the result, but I don't have to worry about the outcome of that for the rest of the year. You know, uh, everyone wants to Absolutely. see their driver continue. Yeah. And I, honestly, I think it's the best thing for Bowman and his success going forward because that's not hanging all over him. And now he can just settle in, learn this new crew chief, get it going. And, because, I mean, the kid's got all the talent in the world as much as I make fun of him. So I think Hendrick was right in getting this done before it all started. And I think so, too, because, yeah. I mean, if he does pop off this year, his his value just increases anyway, right? So Yeah, that's it, exactly. You know, but that's – so, I mean, I'm a little biased because I'm a fan, obviously. But that's a, two pretty big dominoes that we've seen fall – in the silly season already, knowing that Harvick's not coming back, knowing that Alex Bowman's locked up, so there's no rides open at HMS, right? They're yep. all locked up. So the real question is, what's the next major move that we're going to see transpire? Because, I mean, Truex hasn't said for sure he's coming back. I think he probably will. Um, yeah. I think he's still got the hunger, especially if he has a little bit of success here early in the season, of course. Yeah. Exactly. But what, what what else do you see transpiring? I mean, we got Eric Almirola that's up in the air. We got Hamlin that's somewhat up in the air. Right, and that's, it's man, it's going to be silly. But, like, that's the thing. I don't really know what pieces there are to fall or, like, what, like, I honestly feel like Stuart Haas is just kind of going to walk away this silly season as a loser, really. And not, like, as a loser, but, like, I don't think there's – any big names up for grabs like we've seen in past seasons. And I, yeah, I I agree with you hundred percent. I don't find the Xfinity series is look, it doesn't look to me as though they're going to be showing a whole lot of talent this year. I like, (laughs) yeah, there's no one that I'm excited about. Like, Oh man, he's going to do something crazy in the sport. Right. Like I look at the truck series with a little more potential right now than the Xfinity series with guys like Zane Smith, who had a, um, a great showing throughout all Daytona Speed Weeks. You know, he won the truck race, um, ran pretty clean throughout the Cup Series race. So he was yeah, impressive. But that's the thing. You don't want to bump guys up too soon either. Right, because we've seen so that like happen. Yeah. So, I mean, Stuart Haas, they're losing Kevin Harvey, possibly could lose Eric. And, I mean, you know, you don't have the talent to fill the seat. So I just I see that whole organization kind of taking a step back unfortunately yeah I don't I don't disagree with you and and I think too if you look at it from the Ford perspective I think for better or worse from a talent perspective you know it it may not be exactly what a lot of people think should happen but from Ford's perspective I honestly believe that they want to get Haley Deegan into a quality cup ride in the future now I'm not saying it's going to be next season or anything like that but I do definitely believe that that's something that they're putting a lot of their eggs in that basket. And so 100%. And 
And I don't the thing with that is the only thing that worries me is you know the money's going to be there, like to right. put her in a ride. Like someone's going to want to fund that. But again, it goes back to rushing drivers into a seat that they're not ready for. Right. And that's not a hit on her talent. That's just you know, there's a lot of kids coming up right now that aren't ready for cup, and it's just rushing them only hurts their progression. Yeah, I think we've done them a disservice by constantly pulling guys out of the Xfinity Series too early, and then all of a sudden their career is over before we really got to see it materialize. And I don't want yeah, that. Exactly. You know, I'd rather I would rather us have a backlog of talented drivers making the Xfinity Series and the Truck Series better, making the overall product better, than for us to have a really good competitive top 20, top 25 drivers in cup, but no support coming up, no real talent in the other series, which the last few years, the Xfinity series has had the best racing. And I know you haven't been able to watch them and whatnot because yeah. you're cable provider and whatnot, but it's been some of the best racing that I have ever watched. And, you know, with guys like Gregson moving up guys like Gibbs. Now Gibbs was only there for the one season, but, the rivalry between him and Gregson was fantastic. Really hoping to see that transpire in the Cup Series. Um, Chase Briscoe, um, William Byron. Uh, William's a little bit further back, but some of the competitive drivers that have been there in that series has really made it some great racing. And so I'm looking to see that trend continue, hopefully. you know. Yeah, absolutely. But let's move on to positive things. Ricky Stenhouse. Wins at Daytona, of all things. Incredible, eh? Um, it was it was a good finish, and he made a that pass he made on Logano was a, a big pass, and uh, it was exciting. I was happy to see that for him. Absolutely. I mean, we watched the race together. He knew what I was like yelling at him for the pit road speeding penalty. <laughs> I thought right then he took himself out of contention because it's just the kid's got all the talent in the world to win these races. And Daytona is one of those places you don't need to be speeding in the pits. As long as you have the draft, you're going to be okay. And I just, oh, I was so angry. But obviously, the kid turned around and got it done. It's exciting to see. He did. And um, that's, so, of course, that's JT Jordy's first Daytona 500 victory. But it's only their second victory ever. Um, the other one was A.J. Allmendinger back in Watkins Glen. I think it was like, 2014 or 15, somewhere in that area, which if you want to talk about a wheel man at a road course, you know, right. I don't necessarily know that that was because the car was necessarily top quality at that point, but it's good to see that team have some success. They've been a mainstay in the sport for quite some time now. Um, they are, Absolutely. they have downsized back to a one car team, but, um, when you get that one car to Daytona 500. Yeah, I mean, that's if you're if you're going to get a win on a season, that's the one to take. Yeah, absolutely. And for that matter, it takes all your pressure off for the rest of your season. Like, he has, yeah. he now has his playoff berth, right? So, yeah. how often, how often have we seen in the past Ricky Stenhouse Jr. drive over his head? Um, and I think a large part of it was out of desperation, right? Well, Absolutely. we've kind of, we, he's kind of taken that pressure off of himself already because he does not need to do anything else to get in the playoffs. So now all he has to do is drive smart the rest of the season and build up 
towards the playoffs, continue to build momentum, continue to build respect in the garage, continue to, you know, take that team and continue to help them grow, same as they're going to help him grow. I mean, does this does this change the outlook for Ricky Stenhouse going forward for the season? I, you know, I don't I don't know that I it's think it's, Go ahead cuz I'm Yeah. I think it's honestly I think we're going to see a different Stenhouse this year. Like I think it totally changes the dynamics of how he has to approach a race, how he goes into every race. He's not going to have to make those moves, you know, that we see him spin other people out or spin himself out. Like he doesn't have to be as aggressive, but it's one of those things too. Like, is that just Ricky's nature? Like maybe he feels like he can take more chances to help him see a more aggressive Ricky than we've ever seen before. Yeah. I suppose it could go either way. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it could go both ways. He's got a whole season now to experiment with different things and find what works because, you know, you, you're locked into the playoffs. You got the golden day. Well, and to be fair, too, the other the other element of that is this. When, and you were here Sunday, you, you heard me say it, when he was behind Alex Bowman, I literally said, well, Alex is getting wrecked, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, he, you know, he was trying to, him and Alex were on the top line trying to get to the front, but yeah. we didn't see that same level of, that same method of driving, we'll say, out of Ricky that we have in past where, you know, he pushed people into oblivion, you know, it kind of, yeah. it, it was like Brad Keselowski at Daytona last year. There was nobody that he pushed that didn't get wrecked. And that was kind of, yeah. that's kind of what we've always viewed Ricky as, is that guy that was overly aggressive to the point where it was a detriment. And yeah. I think, I think the way he raced on Sunday, not just the win itself, but I think the way he raced on Sunday actually earned him a lot of credibility in that garage, a lot of extra respect because it was a different Ricky than we normally see. And I'm hoping that that's the Ricky we see for the rest of the year. Um, I, I think it's definitely more of the individual that won the Xfinity championship than it is the guy who struggled with Roush and, and, you know, he got his two, his two super speedway wins with Roush. I think it was in 17, right? Yeah. So I would but much rather see. Too, Ricky, yeah. Is like the equipment he's been in. You know right. what I mean? Like has this new car really leveled the playing field? Because Roche's equipment has been on the decline for years now. Yeah, like over you know, a decade. Like, yeah. Like he hasn't had the greatest equipment to drive in. And so the guy, like the kid's been, you know, I keep saying the kid, he's probably older than I am. The guy's <laughs> been driving, you know, underfunded equipment to its limit, trying to get more out of it. And now, you know, if these new cars, like the playing field's leveled, everyone's kind of, you know, not equal, but not as far gapped. Maybe we're seeing his talent finally pay off. He doesn't have to take those risks. He doesn't have to get everything out of the equipment and then some. Yeah, I think the parity has definitely changed things a lot. But that raises the question, too, because I'll tell you right now, in the previous generation car, if if JTD Jordy and, um, and Ricky Stenhouse win a race and get in, I don't look at that team and go, oh, Let's see how far they can get into the playoffs. But now, yeah. this year, I'm looking at it and I'm like, okay, do we expect to see this team progress beyond the round of 16? And I realize that it's extremely ludicrous to look at a team as the only winner, right, 
currently, having no idea who the other 15 drivers are even going to be and say, hmm, I wonder who's going to make it and who's not. But with this kind of momentum on their side, this early in the season, and the ability to now just kind of take it step by step and, and, and be a little more consistent and just no desperation involved, that might allow them to really build some solid momentum through the summer months and in, into that postseason, the playoffs, right? And so I, I think mean, in our, our playoff system right now, like anything can happen. Like who had Kyle Busch leave in first round and who had Christopher Bell racing for a championship? Like, yeah, if you would have said that at the start of the season, people would call you crazy. But I mean, all it takes is one good race at certain times of the year. And yeah. Well, and let's look at it this way. Okay. We always expect certain drivers to like, Super Speedways in and of themselves level the paying field quite a bit. And so yeah. we always look to races like Daytona, Talladega to do that. But if you win Daytona at the beginning of the season, that gives you that chance to have a much stronger foundation and have a completely different outlook on the playoffs than if, okay, we get to the last race of the cutoff for the regular season, it's Daytona, right? It's a bookend yeah. race. Daytona at the beginning, Daytona at the end of the regular season. I think there's a completely different mindset for a team that is able to win and get in on the first race versus win and get in at race 26. 100% agree with you on that because right. right now Ricky has won the Daytona 500. Like this season is starting. Ricky's the man right now. Right. Like looking at me, I got the season to show what I'm made of. Whereas if, you know, he doesn't do anything all season, wins the last race in Daytona, it's like, hey, nobody expects us to be here. Let's see what we can do. If we're out first round, oh, well, nobody thought we'd be here. Right. But, like, you're the man right now. Like, you're you're the, I don't want to say you're the face of NASCAR, but, like, for the casual fans, like, you're the guy people are talking about this week. So 100%. keep that momentum going and turn it into something for sure. The Daytona 500 media tour has put your face in front of a lot of televisions this week. Yeah. You know, and what I will say too, we're going to get off Ricky here in a second because there's only so much you can say, but yeah, what I will say is now, if you look at it this way too, okay, we're coming up to tracks that, so obviously Phoenix is the pinnacle of where you want to be and what you want to be able to accomplish this season. You want to get back to Phoenix being still in the running for the championship, obviously. Okay. Yeah. Well, let's look at a place like Phoenix, a place like Martinsville, um, a place like, uh, I believe Kansas is in the final uh, playoffs this year. You know, look at those places. Okay. Well, this team can now go to those tracks and try things that are maybe a little bit off the wall, but, they're going to know how the car is going to race now in the playoffs a little bit more because they don't have to go to those races and be like, all right, we're still trying to get in. We're still trying to earn our spot in. Instead, now they can go, okay, let's see what we can do to, in the fall, be in a much better position. And I just, like, I don't think you can stress it enough how much of a difference this makes in their overall season, how they, how they plan, how they strategize, everything about it. And I think it puts him in a great position to leap forward as we go into the into the regular season here a little bit forward, a little bit stronger, I mean. Absolutely. It's, it's going to be fun to watch for a team like that. 
Like any time a team like that, like when Matt McDowell won, like it's just, you love to see it. Oh, so, yeah, that, Mike, Michael. There. Yeah, Michael. Oh, yeah, sorry, Mike. Yeah. Yeah, I went to high school with Matt McDowell. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it changes everything, you know. So. Yeah. Um, I got to ask you, what do you think of Mike Joy's comment at the end of the race? Oh. So, oh, my word. Man, it's it's funny because a, there's a lot of nicknames that people have called Ricky over the years. Yeah. Um, but I never expected to hear it from the, uh, I don't know if he's considered Fox the color crew. commentator or play-by-play. Yeah, let's go with Fox crew. Any of yeah. the national broadcasters. You know, that's a, it's not like it's a, a positive nickname. Right. It's not like he spun twice and won a race one time. It's no, yeah. no. <laughs> He's such an aggressive driver that he wrecks people, and yeah. and uh, and spins himself out. I, I thought it was a little bit classless. If I'm going to be very honest, um, I 100%. see. I saw the humor in it, which I don't even necessarily know that that's what he was going for was humor. Yeah. But I I felt it was a little bit classless from a guy that I actually kind of have a ton of respect for from a historian standpoint, from a broadcast standpoint. I don't know. What was, what was your thoughts? Cause I, I mean, just was... thought like, here's the guy's biggest moment of his life. And you know, it's the biggest moment in racing history, the Daytona 500. And to throw that comment out, like it just, you know, I was ill-timed and yeah, I wasn't a fan at all. Yeah. I, I don't know. Um, a lot of people are talking about, well, I guess we've got the new contracts coming up. A lot of people are talking about how much they don't like Fox as it is. Um, and as much as I consider Mike Joy to be a staple of my NASCAR history, because, you know, I started watching the week after Dale Earnhardt died. And yep. so I've always had Fox, right? That's always been a staple of my NASCAR season is NASCAR on Fox. And so there's a level of, sentiment there but at the same point the broadcast has become in many ways a little bit of a joke um from a professionalism standpoint like don't get me wrong from a graphic standpoint yeah that's what i mean like the 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 caricatures and stuff there's nothing and it's not just nascar that they're doing it in to be fair it seems to be a fox sports wide thing but why what these are not supposed to be comic book characters, even though we have superheroes in comic books. These are these are real life um, idols and heroes to a lot of people, and I, I think I think you take what should be a larger than life image, and you present it in a much. I think it. I think it takes away some of that element. Does that make sense? Like these guys are going yeah. out. They're basically like gladiators in the sense that there literally could be death right around the next corner, and I don't know. It's um, the caricatures to me are weird, and I know they are to you too. Yeah. We've talked about that. Absolutely. Um, I, I have an issue with that. Some of the commercial breaks and stuff, man. I I know it can't be easy to ever get your commercials in, and I know that that's an absolutely essential element of what allows us to have these NASCAR broadcasts, obviously. But I think there has to be a better way than as you go to a break, a caution comes out vividly. I mean, it wasn't even like 
we all knew it was coming before it actually went yellow. They go to break. It had to be, I didn't calculate it, so forgive me if I'm wrong, but it had to be three to five minutes after the incident happened before the, the, the broadcast ever came back. And in my mind, you could easily finish the commercial that you started, okay, after 30 seconds or 15 seconds, whatever that commercial spot happens to be, come back, and then you're going to have all kinds of time while there's caution, cleanup, all that stuff. Instead of giving me 10 replay shots, right, give me three or yeah. four angles, but bring me back to the action so I can see it live and hear the commentation and all that stuff as it's happening, not three to five minutes later. Exactly. And I mean, we were watching with our buddy, Corey, who's not even really a NASCAR fan. And that was the first thing out of his mouth is why the heck are we watching commercials when this big wreck just happened? Yeah. And I get that we're not like other sports where there is built in segments of like whistles blowing plays down and things like that. Obviously that is a different element to our sport and it's something that you can't really work around. They've tried a little bit with stage breaks and things like that, and it helps, but yeah. you can't work around it completely. But I do think that there has to be ways that we can... We have to look at it from the from the perspective of someone who's not as invested as us, exactly like our buddy Corey, um, who really the only reason he was watching is because we were. Right? Yeah. Right? He was here for the nachos and the weekend. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and so... If you look at it from his perspective, well, for him, that was one of the most exciting parts of the race, especially at that point. I believe it was the very first caution. Yeah. Well, why, why are we watching commercials when the most exciting part of the action is on TV? And I think that's something that we have to realize as a sport really is going to potentially hinder um, a new person coming in, right? Yeah. I think advertisers have to realize, like, hey, your commercial might get cut short if this happens, but we're going to air it again right after. Yeah, it would actually be better for their investment, right? It's more right. attention. Because then you're sitting there like, I freaking hate Wendy's right now. Like, or, you know, like whatever commercial's running at the time. You just, right. You don't want to see it. Right. I don't want a Baconator right now. I want my, I want my action on TV. Right. <laughs> now, as a fat kid, I will tell you, uh, I've never really complained about a Wendy's commercial, but <laughs> <laughs> this podcast brought to you by Wendy's. <laughs> we we would take on sponsors gladly. Uh, speaking of things ruining things, Kyle Bush, <laughs> Kyle Bush had two races ruined by Daniel Suarez this week. Obviously, one was a little more direct than the other, but. What first of all, what was he thinking in the duels when everyone's in a the line? There's you're not going anywhere, right? Why 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 are you pushing a guy so hard that you <laughs> that you hook him to the right into the wall, causing a wreck? Um, I, I mean, the second incident wasn't really so much his fault. He, you know, definitely wasn't yeah, anything directly involving that. But but the first incident, man, I was like, what is going on here? And, I mean, obviously Kyle was livid if you saw the post-race interview. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Kyle Bush isn't the guy you want to be taken off at the first of this season. Because <laughs> if anybody holds the grudge, it's Kyle. Yeah. Especially. I, I just, I, 
even if you look at it from a manufacturer standpoint, those guys should have been working together in the 500. And I guarantee you, Kyle Busch had no intention of working with him in the 500. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Like, why would you? Yeah. I mean, you know, Suarez is coming off a great season last year. Like, which is, uh, I don't know. I don't know what was going through his head. Yeah. It was, it was weird. Um, like I said, the second event wasn't that bad, but, but it did set up what cost Kyle Busch, I think, a very good shot at the win. I don't think Suarez necessarily cost him a shot at the win. Don't take that as that. It's literally just setting up the conversation, of course. But right. I think what did cost Kyle Busch and RCR a legitimate shot at that win, including Austin Dillon, who was running in second place, mind you, okay? He had just as good a shot as Kyle Busch at that point. I think what actually cost them to win was that attempt at the teammate restart, which we've never seen this really work out successfully ever since Brad and Joey tried it at Martinsville, which we've seen the end result of that replayed a hundred times when Kenseth ended up taking Logano out. And there was more to that story than just that, but everyone gets all checked up. Well, there's nowhere to go, but nobody's letting out, especially at that point in the Daytona 500. Nobody's going to let up. And so all we saw was a massive checkup, and it ended up costing them both the opportunity to win. Yeah, I don't know whose call that was, but it was not the right call. I mean, we knew from the start of it, what are they thinking? Why are they doing this? Right. And it did not pay off. Now, I, I have no issue with them starting in opposite lines. You know, whichever line goes, man, that guy's going to win. That Like, that would be my like, philosophy. If you're saying, hey, we're not teammates right now, we're racing for the win, good luck in your line, this is the line I'm taking, great. But, yeah. yeah and, just... and if one of us happens to get ahead in your line, get some steam, then we'll hook up. Yeah. But why not control both lanes for as long as you can, and then whatever happens after that happens. But, but that, yeah. that checking up and slowing up on a restart is not only, like, at, at a particular it's a little bit reckless for one um, yeah. with, with extremely little benefit on a green white checker with 30 odd cars or high twenties, at least still on the lead lap at that point. And I don't, I don't think that there was ever a chance that that was going to pan out. And so yeah. not to mention the rules actually dictate that you are supposed to be at a hundred percent at all times. Right, um, as far as your effort. Well, these teammate plays, although I understand that's the point of a teammate, but if we're going to enforce the rule for some, then we have to enforce for others. Now, they've been pretty lax on that, but there has been talk, like last year with, um, I believe it was Cole Custer, who slowed up on the backstretch at the Roval, and that allowed Chase Briscoe to advance. In the playoffs. Yeah. Remember, he got penalized for that because he was not racing at 100%, and that was a teammate play. Yeah. Right? Well, that is exactly what happened on Sunday in the 500, and it had actually way more catastrophic effect to the actual race itself. Now, it didn't have as much effect on the playoffs, obviously, or at least not that we know, right? It's the first race of the season. Yeah. Maybe <laughs> both those guys will win and get in, whatever. But it's just as detrimental so I don't understand why we are willing to look past that now when that essentially 
Like, that was basically the end of Cole Custer's career. And I'm yeah. I'm not saying he wouldn't have been out of that ride either way, but the man got penalized for not, not racing at 100%, but we don't do that to the lead two cars at Daytona when they stack up the entire field and cost multiple owners hundreds of thousands of dollars in wrecked equipment. Yeah, I, you're absolutely right on that. You know. And I get that they're probably RCR's best chance to get in the playoffs at the Super Speedways this year, as with anyone's in in the sense that everyone's a little more equal and it all comes down to driver for the most part making the right moves. But I'd love to hear Smokes in their Smokes take on this one. <laughs> well, uh, speaking <laughs> of NASCAR, yeah, because he. He's been pretty anti-super speedways as far as the cost to owners anyway. And if we're going to talk about all the things that we've done for the sport to make it cheaper for owners and to make it more of a value and whatnot to have 500 or to have um, a charter and all that stuff, well, then what are we still allowing this stuff to go on for? 100%. You know. And actually, that brings up the next topic conversation too probably be a little bit shorter but because of how that 500 finish there's been some discussion online um just through social media and whatnot but about whether or not we should change the overtime rules scrap overtime together uh, I, I haven't really put a whole lot of thought into this as of yet but have you considered at all what your thoughts are on whether or not we should change overtime or are you pretty happy with how it is honestly like you hate to see a race finish under caution. Like, at least I do. Like, I'm not a fan of it, but the Greenway checker is, I feel like, the best option we got. Like, at least, you know, you're giving the guys a chance to go out there and race for the win. Because this whole teaming situation, you know what I mean? Like, if Austin Dillon's in 18th place and Bush is racing for the win and, you know, all of a sudden, oh, I'm just going to, fishtail this guy and then then the yellow comes out we know we won like I just yeah I think if we don't have the green white checkered it can just set us up for more teammate drama and ending races prematurely that's just my opinion yeah and like I said I haven't considered a whole lot of what or if I would change like I understand the dangers of allowing them to race back to the line 100 percent yeah what worries me for one i'm not actually a fan of going beyond the advertised distance um in in many regards let alone multiple green white checkers um especially from a cost perspective i think that it's much more risk for an owner to take on to do those green white checkers even though there is more of a potential payoff for more teams, right? Yeah. But the advertised distance is the advertised for a reason. Would you be okay with red flags? After, like, as a... Like, say, if, you you know, there's a big rack with seven to go, are you okay to put the red flag out instead of, you know, racing it out under caution? Right, if there's, you know, a wreck with four to go. Yeah. Like, I, that's just what I hate to see is, like, four laps, you know, and you're watching the Daytona 500 winner win it driving 60 miles an hour. Yeah, I don't want to see that happen. Um, 
But like if if so for example, if it's seven laps to go and there's a wreck and there's some extra cleanup that's required, in my mind, you you run under yellow and once it's clean up, then you do a green white checker. Right? Yeah. Unless it's so severe that you need to red flag the race because that's that's a whole different topic as far as necessity. Yeah. If we're just talking about enjoyment for the fans, I think I think in my perspective, parking the cars under a red flag is more more damaging to the fans' enjoyment than having them roll around under the caution. Because even under caution, the cars are moving. It's, I don't know, there's a different element to me to a red flag than a caution. What I, yeah. what I do think is you have your one green-white checker. If it ends under caution, it ends under caution. But I don't think it's... I don't think it's fair um, to continually have green white checkers because say I'm running, say I'm running fifth, right? And I know that if I have an opportunity to green white checker, that I've got the car to go up there and race those guys. Like say for example, I pit it, I've got 25 lap fresher tires, and I started in 14th. Well, on lap one, I've made it up to fifth. Well then. Why can't I just accidentally run over a guy, bring out a green-white checker, and now all of a sudden I'm sitting in fourth, and there's only three guys ahead of me, and I've got way fresher tires than them, right? So I haven't seen that happen, but that doesn't mean it can't, right? What I would like to see is let's have a green-white checker, and let's have a spot on the track where... If an accident happens beyond this point, it's safe for the cars to run around to the to the finish line. So, for example, on on a short track like like Bristol or Martinsville, well, that spot might actually just be in turn three, right? Yeah. Whereas at a spot like Daytona, well, if you're coming off turn two, the guys are going to be on the brakes long before they get to there once they cross the finish line, right? Yeah. And so I think I think you could look at doing something like that. If you look at it from a safety perspective, that's probably not the answer because you want to be able to make sure that you can get the staff or sorry, the EMTs, paramedics and whatnot to those drivers as quick as possible. But I really to me, I would just take away the infinite green white checkers. And once you get to the advertised distance, that's your only opportunity for a green white checker. If something happens after that, something happens. That's life. You know, we can't we can't just manufacture excitement at the expense of of affordability for for the lower tier teams. Like you think about how much extra risk there is by adding ten to fifteen miles on the end of a super speedway race by having multiple restarts for a guy like I won't talk about Rick Ware Racing because I don't really think they're in it for the competitiveness anyway. But let's look at it like for a single car team like JTD Jordy, uh, who, you know, they could have just as easily been completely destroyed in that second race, that second green white checker. Well, yeah, that risk is a lot of extra risk for teams like that unnecessarily. Not to mention the safety of the drivers and the fans and everybody else. Yeah, it's like it's it's a tough one for sure. Like I don't even know if NASCAR is considering anything. 
or if this is just more fan talk and stuff. More fan talk but, and stuff, I think. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, like, it, it, I, I I like it. Like, I like the current Greenway checker. Like, I know it goes beyond distant. Like, I you know, it's manufactured excitement, but it keeps people watching. Like, it's the same thing with baseball right now. Are they using juice balls to see more home runs? Like. Yeah, probably. Is it fair to the pitchers? No, not necessarily, but it's putting more eyes on the screen. I think that's kind of the balance you have to get. Like, you want to you wanna appease to your hardcore base, but you also want to grow your sport. So it's just like, how much can we tick these guys off and still keep them watching? Or It's just, yeah, it's a tough balance for sure, but... I and, guess anytime I can see more racing, I'm just going to go with that. And that's fair, too. And the thing is, anytime you have a compromise like that, someone's upset. Like, there's no way to yeah. there's no way to look to grow the sport while appeasing the, the fan base and have everyone be happy. It's just not going to work. Yeah. And that's, that's okay. Because uh, I think you're right. It's all about finding that balance. And that balance is, how can we offend the least amount of people? <laughs> yeah, and then I just and hope I'm not in that group of the least. Break. My heart doesn't break for these millionaire owners whose race cars are getting smashed up. So I, I just me. I agree, but if you're gonna give me cars that no longer have as much ingenuity from the crew chiefs and the teams and things like that, which sets them apart from each other, in the name of making it cheaper, then don't sell me a product that is obviously more expensive does that make sense yeah i can see that like in ways i like that the cars are closer but they've taken according to rodney childers nearly all of the ingenuity nearly all of the adjustability out of the cars and so the reason we're seeing parity isn't necessarily because teams are getting better it's just because to be blunt, some teams can't do any worse. Like like BJ McLeod and Live Fast Motorsports are buying the exact same equipment as everybody else. So what's the difference? Yeah. Right? I think the difference is the talent that's beside behind your seat. To a degree, sure. But I like, also you know, think if you're equal equipment, I feel like the best guy is gonna come up with the win. Or the best plan, you know what I mean? Like Right, yeah, so I think it's a level of talent, but not necessarily just in the seat. Like, I think that includes the team all around you, right? Yeah. And so... And, like, the thing is, you look at Jimmy Johnson. Like, I'm a, I've am always been the Jimmy fan. Like, oh. him winning his championships was awesome. It was horrible for the sport. People hated Jimmy, and people hated NASCAR during that time because it was just domination by one team. So... If the richest guy is always going to show up with the best equipment and no one else can touch them, how are you like? How long is that sport going to last for? Sure. Yeah. No, I'm. I'm not disagreeing there. I, I think there was necess- Like, I think there was a necessity of balancing it out. But I don't think. I don't think we need to get to the point where we're basically buying kit cars, which we're pretty yeah. close at this point. You know, we yeah. don't we don't need to be a spec series where everyone's running the exact same equipment and all we have is a bunch of assemblers versus yeah, engineers, sure. and, you know. Just different badges on the same thing. Yeah, I'm not, uh, I don't think I'm interested in that. Yeah. You know. 
Let's talk winners and losers at Daytona. Obviously, the easy winner here is is Ricky Stenhouse and JTG. Who else yeah. do you have as these are guys that won this weekend? These yeah, are the I guys mean, who are. Like you mentioned earlier, Alex Bowman, top five, finally getting that monkey off his back of I can start the Daytona straight but can't finish. I mean, you can't argue a top five. It's a great spot to finish. Not a bad spot at all. Um, no. Nope. Speaking of stars of the sport, Joey Logano's hair, that's a winner. <laughs> Man. Am I wrong? You're not wrong, but it's it's weird to see. It is, but he looks good. Like I can't, oh, he does. can't take it away from the guy. Like, mission accomplished. No. I mean, if he's, you know, wearing dreadlocks by next Daytona, like, I'll have something to say for sure. But, <laughs> no, it looks good. I'm glad he got that figured out. <laughs> figured out. <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, I I mean, none of us have really seen any. You know, unless you're really paying attention, none of us have seen these guys basically since November. And yeah. I I don't remember noticing it at the clash either, which is what's interesting. I was never like, oh, look at Joey's hair, you know. But right. whatever it was Sunday, man, I'm like, what the frig is going on? <laughs> In a positive way, sure. of course. Oh, yeah. Great. Um, Riley Herbst had a great race. Uh, Rick Ware yeah. Racing got them a top 10, as well as his first top 10 in his first race, which yeah. uh, he's one of those guys in the Xfinity Series that I look at and I go, eh, don't really see much there, but say what you want. He spun out in pit lane, got the penalty for, the, uh, for clipping the like the pit entry box and then entering pit road or missing pit entry box and getting on pit road. So he got a penalty and he spun out and he still was able to come back for a top 10. So that was, that was pretty good. was pretty impressed with him. Um, you got anyone else before we move on to losers? I mean, Travis Pastrana, he, it's just a win all around 11th place. And plus you got to race the day doing 500 mm. for your first ever cup debut. Like that's just, yeah. And to be fair, he hasn't been in a, you know, Riley at least has been racing stock cars consistently. A guy like him, he hasn't been, and he jumped in that car with zero practice on this track and whatnot for years. Yeah, I right. think he hit the nail on the head. That's that's a good one. Like if Pastrana finished 40th, it's a win for him. You know what I mean? You yeah. got to go out yeah, kind he, of lap at the Daytona 500. Like. Yeah, whereas now instead he finished 11th and beat Jimmy Johnson. So yeah. <laughs> one of the GOATs. <laughs> You know, right? One of the goat. Uh, I don't know. Um, speaking of the other, spe- <laughs> well, speaking of one of the other seven-time chants, let's uh, let's right. let's talk about our losers of the week. You can, uh, man, was really disappointed in Richard Petty's comments. Um, yeah, they're very petty. <laughs> oh gosh. <laughs> um, <laughs> I just I think if you're trying. Okay, so Legacy MC obviously used to be Petty GMS, which used to be, uh, I don't know, whoever else they were tied up with before. I mean, it's it's been just one organization only change after the other ever since yeah. the 90s. Uh, well, probably early 2000s. They've been tied up with everyone. Um, wasn't it Petty Gillette or Everham Gillette? And then it was 
Everham and Petty tied up together for a while. It's just been a, a smorgasbord of whoever can give them some money because they're not competitive. <laughs> Ever since the 90s. I mean, that is legitimately... Not so nicely, but that is what it is. No, but you're exactly right. You're hundred percent right. And no disrespect to Richard behind the car, but I, I don't think he's been a great team owner. Right? Oh goodness, no. Um at least not since he got out from behind the wheel. And then yeah. he and then he stands there and basically expresses his displeasure publicly about the direction that Jimmy Johnson's taking the team. Well, all you had to do was take it a positive direction yourself and we wouldn't be in this situation. So Exactly. I mean, I mean like I know that's not nice, but like when you're what you know, sorry? Like he blindsided him. He didn't have this discussion with him one on one. Yeah, according to Jimmy. Yeah. yeah. I mean and I wanna take Jimmy's word on this because he's not out there bashing with, you know, co owner right? in the media. Yeah. Like I mean, you already started off on a losing streak with the name Legacy MC, but like, oh man, I don't know what's going through Richard Petty's head, but like, yeah, like the guys losing credibility quick. Well, in like in a team sport, you really don't want to be dividing the team. And yeah, you look at like, and who do you think these young guys are going to look at? Like, do I want to take the advice from Richard or do I want to learn off Jimmy? 100% 100% you're like, going to pick Jimmy. Sorry, Richard, but, you you know, you haven't been relevant except your stupid hat on the racetrack for years. Like, Oh, you can't pick on the hat. No, but, I mean, the guy's kind of a caricature at this point. Like, Well, Fox hasn't you know, made him one. Seven champions. You won seven championships. Fox made one. <laughs> you won seven championships how many years ago? Like, I, I mean, I know you can't take away from that, but the racing was different. Like, it's not as impressive as when Dale Sr. did it, when Jimmy did it. Like I Jeff agree. Gordon's, Jeff Gordon's wins, honestly. I'm more impressed. Like, if I'm doing a top three, Petty's not in it. Like, I'm putting Gordon up there, even though he doesn't have seven. Right. And so, I mean, well, and, yeah. And since everyone's stuck on old rules, like Kyle Busch saying, if it had been 98, it would have won. If everyone's stuck on old rules, then... Jeff Gordon has seven championships. It's just, you know, so. No, I, I, I 100% agree with you. If you, I, I mean, I won't tear down his legacy, but he had factory support when very few, if any others, did for a long time. Yeah. He raced 50-some races a year at a time when any NASCAR-sanctioned event was earning points and wins and counting, even though most drivers were part-time. You know, so I, I think it's a little bit easier to be dominant in that that era. Now, do I think that yeah. removes all credibility? Absolutely not, because the man continued to win into the 80s. But, yeah. but you do have to take it with a grain of salt. I look at someone like Kyle Busch, for example, who has, I don't even know what he has for wins now, significantly over 200 across all three series. And yeah. You know, he was racing with the best that that series had to offer, not only equipment-wise, but drivers-wise, all through the seasons, right? In each, To be honest, a lot of people were like, oh, we can't compare the two. Yeah, I think we can. And, and in my personal opinion, I think the, the wins that Kyle Busch has are more impressive than Richard Petty's. And I realize that a lot of people 
that are purists of the sport and that are old school fans would probably punch me in the mouth if they were here and were able to hear that. But I'm being very honest. That is 100% how I feel. 100%. And look at Kyle Busch as a team owner. Yeah. He beats Petty there, too. Like, it just, I, uh, I don't know. Yeah. I just don't think Richard likes anyone else being in the spotlight. And now that, you know, Jimmy's more known as seven time than he is, I think it's just hard for him to take. I think so, too. And I, you also got to feel bad, too, for Legacy because on top of the comments, they also had, like, not great results. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Eric wrecked out, Jimmy wrecked out. I think Gregson finished the race, but was like a lap or two down or had some damage or something. Just wasn't great all the way around. Although he did beat Ty Gibbs by one position. So he's already leader of the year. Right. And I'm okay with that. Yeah. You know, um, who else? I guess too, I guess to finish up with losers, uh, how'd you do with your predictions last week? (sighs) (laughs) That's never going to die. Is it? No, no. I'll be keeping track this year. <laughs> I'll be keeping track. Actually, <laughs> speaking of keeping track, I created a little spreadsheet last night uh, to track who did what with predictions and stuff. Um, Perfect. Actually, one more loser before we get back to that. Uh, Ty yep. Dillon and Spire Motorsports, uh, 20 laps in, blew that engine. Oh. That's, a, that's right. a gut punch to start the season. Uh, we yeah. don't we don't really see many engine failures anymore unless Toyota's trying things with the driver that's leaving, but um, yeah. but that's just Kyle Busch's end of the season last year. So <laughs> so I did feel a little bad for them, but um, I did create a chart for our predictions, and you'll be happy to know that uh, <clears throat> you're leading already. Um, <laughs> and so basically, I pit our our picks versus each other, and then our underdogs against each other. And each one of them is worth a point. So uh, if I won the underdog and you won the the full pick, then it would be one point each. You are up to an O. And oh, so we're not going by positions. Where, like, Blaney finished 8th, Hamler was 17th, Busher 4th, Gibbs was 25th. I suppose that would leave you with an impossible hole to climb out of over this season. Oh, you mean I would be, like, 21... 21- <laughs> positions behind you on my underdogs yeah no they either beat them or they don't <laughs> yeah i gotta give you a chance i guess that's an awful lot of talk for one race in <laughs> but yeah you uh you chose blaney uh against my hamlin and i Which, i mean blaney finished an eighth i did not see that happen on the day that they had no i feel like every time that yellow came out he was getting beat up somehow to be so fair, his him. car is the same color. <laughs> yeah, and I actually, I was surprised at how garbage of a day Hamlin had. He doesn't typically yeah. have too bad a days at uh, at super speedways, but I didn't really find the Toyotas as a whole had a whole lot of speed, which maybe I shouldn't have gone all Toyota with my picks, but, <laughs> you know, I didn't yeah. find it. But your underdog, him and his owner... Right. Busher and Keselowski, man, they were hauling for yeah. for a time. Was nice to see. It was nice to see. I was really impressed. Um, 
Now, we saw them be fast last year at Daytona, too, and just fall off a cliff the very next week. But I'm hoping that's not yeah. the case this year. Um, and he smoked the crap out of Ty Gibbs, who finished 25th. Um, <laughs> yeah, which, as much as my two picks didn't do well, and I always like to see my picks, you know, beat yours, I was okay with both of those guys finishing where they did. 100%. <laughs> um, That's it. They do good, you win, so great. They lose, you still win. Yeah, yeah. And this also might hurt our opportunity of ever getting media credentials, you know, being as unbiased as we are. <laughs> <laughs> so let's go to picks for this week, Don. Um, All right. And Since you lost, I'll let you go first. Give okay. every advantage you can get. Yeah. So um, are we allowed to pick in the same? Probably not, eh? Are we what? Sorry, we're not allowed to pick the same guys, eh? As each other, or the same as last week? Yeah. No, same as each other. Um, well, that kind of defeats the whole purpose. It would, yeah, yeah. Because I'll just pick the same guy you do and win based off Daytona. <laughs> you know, I'm sleazy that way. I got no shame. I do know you're sleazy that way. Um, if you're not cheating, you're not trying. And that is accurate. Um, I am going to take for my, oh, I think the, I think the Fords have got some big power this week. Uh, so I am going to go, oh, give me, give me Joey. I'm going to take Logano for my gone. pick. Okay. Yeah. Well, who am I, I think who am I competing against, Donnie? Kyle Larson. Kyle Larson. Yeah. Okay. All right. I, don't, I just thought, yeah, I feel like that's probably what's going to go down. He's going to want to get off to a quick start. And yeah, I see Larson getting the win next week. He fought hard at Daytona time. for uh, a track type that he's not really in love with. Right. You know. Um, okay. You let me pick first. Who's your underdog? Underdog. I'm sticking with my guys from Daytona, and I'm going Brad Kozlowski. Oh, okay. You're like, right. wow, really going underdog. Yeah, I mean, I guess I can pick Cody Ware. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> oh, shoot. No, this is underdogs, not acts of God. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Um, then I am going to go for my underdog. I am going to take... I'm going to take... You know what? Screw it. I'm going to go with Bowman. I always... Bowman. I, I hate it because I always want to pick Bowman because he's my guy. But I always shy away from it because I'm like, I don't want to be that guy who just picks the same guy all the time. But... He actually runs pretty well at California, and uh, I think I think as long as you're not in a Toyota right now, you're probably going to have some speed. So, um, <laughs> That's the truth. Yeah, if the Fords have speed, I got Logano. If, if the Chevys have speed, I got Boltman. So uh, that, that's what I'm going to go with for this week, Don. Yep. Chevys and Fords. Chevys and Fords. Um, which is unfortunate for you because you're a pretty diehard Toyota guy. I am. Like I said at the start of our – season here I feel like they're the only manufacturer that's taking a step back and I know Daytona is a hard one to judge you can't base your whole season off that but 
we'll see next week for this Sunday coming for sure how they look. Mm. I'm optimistic that I would love to just have a season where we have all three manufacturers be pretty competitive, which is what we saw last year, to be fair. Yeah. Um, and uh, I, I like that. I think I think competition is always healthy for a sport that's based on competition, which I guess is yeah. all sports, let's be fair. But and any manufacturer that's looking from the outside of possibly coming in, you know, if you're seeing 36 races won by Chevy, you're not going to be in a hurry to sign up. But if you see, you know, three manufacturers competing week in, week out, yeah, kind of gives you hope. Yeah, I mean, it's understandable that the that the manufacturer with the least amount of cars is probably going to have the fewest wins, sure, but it shouldn't be this massive degree of disparity, especially yeah. especially as we bring the cars closer and closer together. To have one that's not competitive is a little bit... Uh, uh, off color, not off color, but off kilter, I guess we'll say. Yeah. Yes. But. All right, Don, anything else you want to talk about before we shut this party down? No, I think we're good for this week. All right. Well, listen, guys, thank you all for joining us again this week. We've been super happy to have you along. Uh, we are taking avenues to grow the podcast. And we're always trying to make it better and more enjoyable for you, the listener. We're just two friends talking about a sport we love and having you along is great. So uh, keep coming back. Hope you'll be back next week as we continue our West Coast Swing. Make sure and follow us wherever you listen to podcasts so that you'll be notified when each episode goes live. Also, make sure and follow us on Facebook to be kept up to date on everything we're doing with the podcast. We'll see you soon. Later, Donnie. Later, bud.